MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, March 26, 2020. Today, the Senate reaches a deal on the stimulus, maybe. Trump has yet to release disaster funds to states. Amazon warehouse workers test positive for coronavirus. The upcoming Democratic presidential debate. President Trump brings to life a quid pro quo with governor scenario. Trump classified COVID-19 as a rare disease, but that seems to be overturned. And an interview with Glenn Kirshner, 30-year veteran at the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office on Barr's involvement in the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, A.G., and with me uh, today uh, is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Doing good, I think. Uh, I was telling good. you before we started recording, I'm, I have a thorough joke writing regimen that I'm trying to stick to now, so that's keeping me busy. It's nice to find something to keep your mind off stuff a little bit. It is uh, day two, and this is usually about my drop-off point. So we'll see how. <laughs> we'll see how Are you tweeting goes. these jokes? Uh, some of them, yeah. All right, so check out at Jordan's Confused, and you can you can see some of her uh, seven jokes a day, seven days a week, uh, the fruits of her labor. Thank you. I um, appreciate that. And you can check AG out on at Miller. She wrote, killing it on Twitter <laughs> all the time. Check me out. Mm-hmm. Check me out. <laughs> Um, speaking of uh, us doing things, the link to this Friday's quarantine cocktail Q&A uh, will be emailed to patrons Friday, uh, midday Pacific time. So look for that email, uh, grab a cocktail and log in. Uh, it's going to be, I, th- I believe the three of us, Mandy Jordan and myself, and, and we're going to be answering some questions that you've sent us and we'll just hang out virtually Kind of like a meet and greet that we used to do out on the road, which were like some of my favorite things ever to, Seriously. to just hang out with uh, with our listeners. I miss that so much. I miss um, that too. I forgot that I missed that. I miss that a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was it was so great. And so if you're uh, if you're a patron, we'll email you the link Friday midday or so, and uh, that way you can you can join us. If you're not a patron, become one. Uh, premium subscribers get these episodes ad free and early and and your support is greatly appreciated especially during these times uh so thank you thank you very much for all that we have a ton of news to get to so we might as well jump in and hit the hot notes hot notes all right so let's kick it off with the uh you know the a block jordan's coronavirus update extravaganza yes Jordan, what do you have for us today yeah we got uh lots of news as always we're starting with our cases count i got a lot of really great responses by the way from listeners to the resources that they're using and that they're seeing people that they trust using and i appreciate that because that's what i'm going to go off of now because that seems to be the popular vote was the johns hopkins uh resource website. So cases today are sitting at 65,285. We've got the third highest cases behind China and Italy. Um, and just in global news, the death toll in Spain actually took over the death toll in China today. So Spain is starting to see um, a really big spike or continuing to see a really big spike. Uh, Cuomo 
at it again today. On today's episode, he said that there seems to be evidence showing that social distancing is working in New York. So this was an uplifting message, I thought. On Sunday, estimates showed hospitalizations were doubling every two days. But then on Monday, that changed to every three to four days. And then Tuesday's estimates show every 4.7 days. So that's um, that's amazing. That's really good. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a testament to how much social distancing actually can impact these numbers, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think Cuomo had a good quote about that. He said, "That is almost too good to be true, but the theory is given the density that we're dealing with, it spreads very quickly. But if you reduce the density, you can reduce the spread very quickly." So I think that that makes sense to me, and hopefully that means that this is a trend that can continue if people keep following uh, what's being advised by the actual experts on this. Um, so that's that's good news. He also said that New York, though, still has 10 times more cases than California, which is the state with the second most. Um, they still have a hospital bed and ventilator shortage in New York that is really bad. Uh, but he did say that they should be okay on PPE for a few weeks. And that's nice because that's different than what we're hearing from a lot of cities right now that are getting hit super hard. Yeah, I also heard that the Four Seasons in New York uh, donated their hotel to allow healthcare workers to stay there uh, while you know while they're on the front line, so they don't take the virus potentially back to their families. And mm. and so that was really great uh, of of the Four Seasons to do that. And I think more hotels will follow suit. Probably not Trump's hotels, but yeah, I think <laughs> can't imagine. I, that. I think that may become. I, I would never become if someone ever tells you to come into a Trump hotel don't listen no matter what it can't be good <laughs> no and the and the four seasons is very nice and so that was really awesome uh of them and I think I, I'm hoping other hotel chains follow suit I mean what else are they going to do right now you know yeah totally I think I also saw a headline that said um some college dormitories are offering their spaces too in some different areas mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of good news, I think, in the middle of this update. Uh, moving on to some more New York news, NYPD continues to have an outbreak issue. NYPD Commissioner um, Dermoche, Dermot Shea. How do you say that first name? D-E-R-M-O-T. I should have looked that up before this. I'm sorry. But Dermot, he, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, but he's an NYPD commissioner. He said Wednesday that... 236 members of the NYPD have tested positive for coronavirus and 3,200 members of the force are sick. So that's a huge number of cases, right? That's like, that's super high. I don't think I've heard numbers that high in other organizations, really. Yeah, and I mean, it's got to just be because of, you know, their first responders are on the front lines. I think the FDNY is experiencing issues as well. And, and mm -hmm. I know right now, at least I'm hearing reports that the NYPD is now moving police officers to different boroughs uh, to cover uh, where needed, which is not something that usually happens. And and, and so yep. it's just, you know, just like anything else in this crisis, they're just going to unprecedented lengths to make sure they have coverage. Yeah, that's exactly what Shay was saying, that they've they've had to start backfilling patrols where they can and, and where they need to be filled. Um, it's something else that I read, apparently calls to 911 have gone up a lot, but that's not to say people are necessarily calling because or 
they don't usually wind up having coronavirus, but just they were remarking that the anxiety people are feeling collectively right now over feeling sick is also probably causing for people to call 911 more. And then if squad cars are actually going out to people that also might be sick too, I you know that some of those people calling might actually have it. So who knows if that's a big factor in it too. Just a lot of really interesting intersections that police officers are having right now with all those different infected groups, basically, like you were saying. Yeah, and I think my main concern, and I, I'd be interested in looking into this, is is if there's been a spike in domestic violence because people are now forced to shelter in place together. Um, this is a on a personal note. Um, you know, I ha- uh, a lot of you know that uh, I'm going through a divorce recently, and and that stemmed from domestic violence, and so as much as it's horrible and lonely and uh, tough to get through, I have to say that I, I feel very lucky that everything happened before uh, this crisis went into effect. Otherwise, I would be stuck in this house with an abusive person. And uh, I, I'm so worried right now about uh, men and women, people in general, who, who could be stuck sheltering in place um, in, in, in abusive relationships. And, and I know there's a lot of resources out there uh, for you. You can reach out to me uh, personally, um, you know, if, if you need anything at all, and, and I'll do what I can to help. But I, I wonder sometimes if this increase in 911 calls doesn't have to do with that sometimes. Yeah. And I know that you being alone right now is really tough for you for other reasons, but I'm really glad that you're safe. Just personal remarks. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. I think uh, I was reading something on the same page that had said there's actually 25% drop. There's been a 25% drop in serious crime, uh, say for robberies, which were up in the last week, but that makes sense. And then they also reported that they've seen a lowering in rape calls, um, incidences, and there it was immediately followed though with remarks very aligned with what you were saying ag which is are people not calling in or or is something else going on because logic would only lead you to believe that if someone's in a domestically violent relationship uh then they're gonna have more instances of abuse going on right now during these times so i think that's something that a lot of people are examining right now and hopefully there's going to be a lot of work that's done on the ground to make sure that people aren't going through that right now um, because that's inexcusable all the time obviously but if they can does you know have resources go towards working on that directly i think that's that's something that a lot of people are calling for and are going to hold people accountable for yeah, and I think one of the things that Cuomo was talking about, like 12,000, I think, uh, former healthcare workers have stepped forward to volunteer to assist. And a lot of uh, mental health care workers, social workers are coming out of retirement or, you know, having left the, you know, the, the field to, to come back and, and and help out in this crisis. And I think that that's just astounding and it makes my heart feel good. So mm-hmm. hopefully that will help make a difference in these situations as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Next headline, we got Gilead. Is that how you say it? Gilead Sciences? 
Yeah, you got it. Perfect. Thank you. Gilead Sciences on Wednesday, they announced that they submitted a request to the FDA to rescind the exclusive marketing rights that they had secured for a drug called Remdesivir remdesivir which is an antiviral drug that shows uh, apparently a lot of promise in treating covid19 uh the the intercept this is reporting from the intercept they reported monday that the fda had given gilead seven years of exclusive marketing rights to that drug through something called the orphan drug act even though uh the statute was apparently designed to induce pharmaceutical companies to make treatments for rare diseases that affect fewer than 200,000 people in the u.s so basically what they did it was a race to try to file for that before the cases officially got to two hundred thousand, and they did that successfully but then there was there's so much it sounds like because of all of the public outcry because obviously the cases are going to surpass that number uh they rescinded that that filing of paperwork that's good news. That's good news. I, I, I know I retweeted that yesterday and I, I was getting ready to put it in the script today. I sent it over to you and then it, it came across my feed that that Gilead had rescinded that. So mm-hmm. that's really, really good news. Really good news. Yeah, this was their pro- this was uh, the press release. They said Gilead has submitted a request to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to rescind the orphan drug designation. It was granted for the investigational antiviral remdesivir for the treatment of COVID-19 and is waiving all benefits that accompany the designation. Gilead is confident that it can maintain an expedited timeline in seeking regulatory review of remdesivir without the orphan drug designation. So I imagine that's the argument that they were making for why they needed it. Uh, Recent engagement with regulatory agencies has demonstrated that submissions and review relating to remdesivir for the treatment of COVID-19 are being expedited. So kind of feels like they just got caught trying to do something shitty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems like they and, did it. Uh, and everyone was like, "Hey, you piece of." Sorry, go ahead. What did you say? <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. And if you don't want your stock to tank and to have you know people with pitchforks outside of your offices, you better you better rescind that shit pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's like, "Wait a second. I definitely uh, I don't know which way is up, but I know that's not right." <laughs> that was a nice cardinal directions joke. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um all right that's not cardinal directions at all yes it is yeah it is yeah, yeah I, I was trying to designate the whole up and right axis axis directional joke who knows i wasn't in the navy thir- i don't know third dimension joke there we know. go a good old 3d joke here we go <laughs> <laughs> You have to wear glasses to get it. Ooh, that is all I would ever want in a comedy next show. Time, Holy dude, shit. Next time we do a comedy show, we have to pass out 3D glasses and just not explain it at all and just go up and do our jokes. Oh, God. And yeah. then like maybe and then just maybe like interject like a bucket of water comes by your head <laughs> and, and just like, you know, and then just keep going on with yes. the show. I'm t- we're totally doing that. We're yes. Doing that. How, how dumb, though, would an actual 3D stand up comedy show be? Because it's just someone standing know. there not moving. The actual visuals <laughs> that would be amazing. Maybe, maybe if you're wearing a 3D shirt of like a, a 3D image of you on it. Yes. <laughs> Whatever it is, you have to do drugs. Otherwise, you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, we'll hand out 3D glasses and psilocybin at the door. Here you go. 
everybody come on in oh my god that is the only reality i want to live in what you just described (laughs) (laughs) welcome to earth here's your 3d glasses and mushrooms um (laughs) all right next (laughs) on my news desk um amazon warehouses are facing a tide of coronavirus cases themselves they have at least 10 facilities that have been hit so far with that uh one person who works in staten island in one of the amazon fulfillment centers tested positive for covid19 and uh the person who was last at work on march 11th is in quarantine and recovering so that's good news but that case is the second to affect amazon warehouses in new york and it just happened a week after the first case was reported back in a facility in queens new york they also confirmed that they've had positive cases in Moreno Valley, California, Jacksonville, Florida, Shepherdsville, Kentucky, Brownstown, Michigan, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Katy, Texas, and Wallingford, Connecticut. So it's popping up. I mean, that's probably just more a testament of it popping up everywhere. But yeah, and and, to, and I'll tell you what when I sent when I grabbed the story yesterday, um, it was six facilities, and now oh, wow. just today it's up to ten. Wow. Yeah, I know there's a lot of factors just in terms of like when people finally get tested and um, so many other factors, but it does seem like if you have a bunch of people working in a massive warehouse and they're testing positive, you're going to have to make some changes. Uh, Amazon did temporarily close some of their sites. They did do that to the Queens location, but they've pretty much not chosen to do any sort of mass closures but with their case number growing and diversifying i feel like that's something they're going to be forced to do yeah but like how like if you're if it's if amazon's essential to get shit to people like how do you even do that i mean i guess they're just gonna have to retool or do some, you know um make changes within the factory to to reduce the spread or the warehouses to reduce it i mean it's it's like it's hard to imagine how how, how you even do that especially yeah. if, if it lives on surfaces for 3 days and it's airborne and it you know it's it just seems really really tough and then also that's a good lesson if you're ordering from amazon you get that box wear gloves when you open it wipe it down uh with a mm-hmm. with a uh, whatever uh because people in the amazon warehouses have this it's it can live on surfaces for a while i don't know how long it can live on cardboard but um you know just keep that in mind mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that's that's a good point i feel like with issues like this too this is one because i know people like elon musk have already stepped up saying that they're going to help solve other problems and something like this is a point where i think people could come in and fast track automation for example um and creating you know these sort of systems that could potentially replace physical human bodies which is shitty i know that that's like i mean i'm just throwing that out there as a possible thing i'm not trying to make some greater statement on automation right i'm not trying yeah (laughs) i'm not i mean the idea whatever we don't have to get into like that whole theory but just my point being, I think if it is something that's deemed essential, there are solutions, temporarily at least, that I think people, the brilliant minds in the world, will come together and, and come up with. Uh, and if Amazon can't fulfill that stuff, then they're going to be forced to come up with some other solutions. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe I believe in our society to come up with solutions, as long as everybody's following the rules and in it together and just like being a decent citizen i think that it's possible to overcome that stuff 
Yeah, or maybe if it's even something like let's I'm just using Elon Musk, he's a weird dildo, but whoever, <laughs> uh br- brilliant genius could go to Amazon and be like, "I have the answer for you, the automated answer, and I'll give it to you for free, but you have to promise not to fire anybody. You have to promise yeah. to reassign Ooh. these people uh, and keep them on the payroll, and then I will share this technology with you." There I'm, there's deals that can be made like that. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, it's like you could just shift someone's position into to something else that would just further enhance the quality of the product. If they weren't so focused on just their bottom line all the time, then the next step wouldn't be, oh, that person's going to lose their job then. Like if they were freaking a decent CEO, you would think that they would just find another way to employ their workers. But everyone's... Yeah, you're definitely going to need... You're definitely going to need people to maintain the automation and fix it. And these those folks can be retrained to do that at no cost or at the cost of the company. I mean, there's a lot of different solutions. And I, I, you're right. I have faith in, in our society that uh, somebody will come up with something. Yeah. Also, though, I have to admit, I have no idea what the actual chain, you know, that goes on to produce whatever comes out of those centers looks like. So... For all I know, they could already automate all the stuff that they could even possibly conceivably automate. And that that's... Yeah, a lot of it's already automated, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I honestly didn't even... I always assume that most of that stuff was automated. I, I have friends that work at the warehouse, but I, I guess I just assumed they were doing like stuff like taking boxes into the exact truck they need to go in and, and kind of just like smaller tasks like that right now actually working in there. But... Yeah, so I, don't, I have no idea. Either way, though, the outbreak continues to spread, and people need to continue making uh, better choices. That's 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 my wrap up for that A block. All right, well, great. Uh, in other quick news, the Pentagon is issuing a 60-day stay-in-place order for troops around the world and in the United States, affecting 90,000 active-duty service members and reservists. The military has not flattened its curve, so they're trying to get a handle on it. Interesting how the Pentagon stops them from traveling, uh, but our government doesn't stop us from traveling. So, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Prince Charles has tested positive uh, for the coronavirus, and uh, the Duchess of Sandwich or something has tested negative. I don't know. I don't remember who his wife is. Um, the Duchess of Sandwich is what I'm just going to call her from now on. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know a lot about the royals. I, I admittedly, uh, I just don't follow all that now. Uh, the the task force briefing. I've decided I'm not going to tell you. Uh, a lot about it because it's full of bullshit. Um, I- I'm going to tell you about some things that we can make fun of. Yes, uh, I like that and, approach. And, and, and that's and that's about it because uh, Trump just repeated the same old bullshit he always repeats. And he, he, he even went off on some campaign shit that made no sense talking about NATO and weird shit like that. Um, but let's see. Uh, I like this here, approach because it's like... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like this approach because I know we have gotten a lot of comments about that. They're like, Ugh, please don't subject me to this every single day. And I think <laughs> I think that, uh, that that's that's fair. But also, we want to provide you all with, with some sort of coverage of it. And it's available for everyone if they want to go back and watch it on YouTube or something. So I, I, feel, I feel morally okay. Like we're not denying people something otherwise. Yeah, and it's yeah. full of comedy gold, really. So. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Uh, interestingly, uh, Trump touted uh, that it was a wise choice to postpone the Olympics to 2021. 
Uh, he said <laughs> this will be maybe, I don't know, but maybe the first time it's in an odd year. Uh, they tell me it's usually on an even year. So uh, apparently Trump didn't know that <laughs> until today. Just, yeah. And I find... And I find it's interesting that he says it's a wise choice to postpone the July Olympic Games, but he wants everybody to go to church on Easter. So, okay. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Stimulus bill. Steve gets up. Fuck Steve. Uh, how to keep the economy float. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Talks about NATO. That was stupid. Uh, ooh. U.S. FBI agent in Iran. Oh, a very conscious reporter asked about Robert Levinson, who's a U.S. FBI agent uh, in in Iran, uh, who uh, and there have been reports that he has has died uh, in custody. Uh, Trump says that's terrible. He's been sick for a long time, but he's not dead. Uh, he's not looking great, but a lot of people think he's dead. He's not dead. That's according to uh, this administration. If you, I would look. If you want to look up more information on Robert Levinson, I, I encourage you to. Um, da, da, UN. Oh, this was an interesting fucking out of nowhere weird ass thing. A, a, a very good reporter asked, so the UN is recommending stopping all sanctions and tariffs during the pandemic, right? To help to stop, you know, economies mm -hmm. from going into the shitter. Would you support that? And Trump says, before I got here, uh, we had no borders. Now we have 164 what? miles of wall. Wait, wait, it gets better. Beautiful wall. And in those areas, it's tough to come in. We've been tough on the borders. We have the wall built. Nobody's getting through. Well, n now they're going around, but it takes a long time to go around because it's 164 miles. We're not having the people that you're talking about coming into our country. Oh, my God. What a fucking idiot. What? And, and the only answer I have is that he can't have his little hate rallies anymore. So he'll be asked a question about the UN, which I guess triggers foreigners, which makes him, oh, I can talk about the wall right now. And so he just goes yeah. into his, his wall routine, his wall bit. Absolutely. He was already <laughs> he doing didn't... that before in other ways. Yeah. And it's those are the two. Those are the, just a, a couple of things I wanted to bring up from this press conference. It's of note that the networks have started pulling away from these briefings once they're over and uh, before they're over. Excuse me. And uh, CNN and M MSNBC are talking about not airing the briefings or airing them until the first lie comes out of his mouth and then pulling away and then going back like they, they went back when Dr. Fauci got up and started talking. Um, some NPR stations have already stopped including uh, 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 airing these uh, task force press briefings altogether, like Seattle's local NPR station doesn't even air them. So mm. I'm all for that. Uh, I'll continue to bring you the uh, funny, ridiculous, weird, uh, a-hole parts of them, but the rest of it, you don't need to hear. Watch Cuomo's briefings. Yeah, I also, I got this piece of mail, which I imagine everybody else got. Did you get the thing that says President Trump's coronavirus guidelines for America slow the spread? No, but he doesn't like me personally, so. <laughs> well, I'd be surprised if the federal government was able <laughs> to keep a list to that accurate, but. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't send it to AG. I want her to get it. Don't send it. Yeah. Like, like with his Mitt Romney. Oh, what a shame, Mitt Romney. Oh, mm, how terrible. So fucking, uh, yeah, he's the worst. But yeah, it's like this little postcard and it's 
this nice little graphic of a card, and it says it's from the White House and the CDC, and it's dated March 16th. When you turn it on the other side, it lists out stuff like, listen and follow the directions of your state and local authorities. If you feel sick, stay home, do not go to work, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff, which is, even if you are young or otherwise healthy, you're at risk and your activities can increase the risk for others. It is critical that you do your part to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Like, how does he... You know that he was the same person that refused to say any of the things that are on this very card is the same person that probably fought very hard for the headline to be President Trump's Coronavirus Guidelines for America. He's so And do insane. the Republicans know we have an emergency broadcast system? Like, you don't have to send postcards. But That is true. It's not very sustainable. But I guess... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th- it is a nice and easy thing to just, like, put up on your fridge, I suppose. But mm. Well, yeah, hang it up there, draw a hand turkey on it, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that's uh, listed on here is good. It just definitely seems like that's more of, like, a, a Fauci and his allies-led joint. A hundred percent. Fauci was like, is it okay if I send out, a, a, you know, a, a postcard f- from the White House? Well, the CDC will take care of it. And it's got the important information and directions on it. And yes, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's I guarantee you. I guarantee you that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, um, oh, go ahead. Did you have did you have anything? else? No, 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 no. I say just, before I no, I was just agreeing with you. Word. I yes. like it when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, we will be right back uh, with the details of the congressional stimulus bill that's being a little bit held up right now. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Upstart. Many of us have found out getting into debt is easy, and getting out of debt is very hard. It's because of those high interest rates, Uh, especially if you make those minimum payments. You never get out of the hole, and it's really hard if you don't have a great credit score. But thankfully, now there is Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score, and they offer smarter interest rates to help you get ahead of those payments and pay off your high-interest credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond their traditional credit score when assessing your worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Uh, I could have used Upstart when I was in debt. I know that for sure. And I have a lot of friends, too, that, 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 that could really benefit from this. So Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score, and they believe in you. So they make it really easy to check your rate. It's a soft pull to check your rate. It doesn't affect your credit score to check it. The hard pull doesn't happen until you accept your rate. The best part is once the loan's approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards to meet their goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit, credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And go to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks again to Jordan for joining me in the A Blocks these days. I know doing it remotely can be a little bit weird. If you, any of you listeners uh, have any uh, recommendations about, how, you know, maybe we can do this a uh, little bit differently, let us know. And also, patrons, join us Friday at 4 p.m. for our cocktail quarantine Q&A. Uh, have a cocktail ready. We'll send out the email information to patrons Friday midday. So that gives you a chance to sign up if you if you haven't yet. Uh, and you get all sorts of benefits. And you, you know the drill. You don't need to hear me talk about it anymore. I just want to say thank you very much for, for supporting Women in Podcasting and us. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk about the stimulus bill. First, 
small business retention loans. It will cover 50% of private payroll. Loans will uh, supply eight weeks of small business payroll as long as they keep workers employed, and those loans will be forgiven. And they're small business association loans, but the Treasury is authorizing almost every FDIC-insured bank to make the loans. By the end of next week, there will be a very simple process, according to uh, the Treasury, where these loans can be made and dispersed in the same day. Um, for companies that don't qualify, there's an economic tax incentive to retain workers. So you get a tax benefit if you don't qualify for these loans. Uh, there's the enhanced unemployment. Uh, this is the big thing. This is the thing that could be holding up this bill right now. This allows for an additional $600 per week to match uh, laid off workers' salaries for up to four months. Uh, it doesn't give them more than their salary. It matches it. Uh, but only up to $600. So if you make more than that, then you, you'll be getting less in unemployment insurance. And it only lasts for four months. Uh, and uh, the deal calls for uh, for you to be... Uh, this also, by the way, helps gig economy workers, people who normally don't qualify for unemployment insurance. And this is really crucial. And I know Elizabeth Warren worked hard to get to get this into this bill. Uh, and, and Chuck Schumer had said uh, on Scarborough, uh, Morning Joe, I think, today, that, that it was Elizabeth Warren uh, who, who helped get some of these provisions in, along with, you know, along with other senators, too. Uh, and so I just want to big ups to E. Warren since I'm all by myself today. <laughs> um, uh, so that's a really, really big unemployment benefit. Uh, but again, it's temporary and it doesn't go over their salaries. And you don't get to just quit your job if you want to get it. Uh, you can't quit your job and get on insurance. So you have to be laid off. So there's that. Then the deal calls for a new pandemic unemployment assistance program, which would provide jobless benefits, like I said, to those who are unemployed, partially employed or unable to work because of the virus and don't qualify traditionally for benefits. And that's what I was talking about the gig economy. It includes independent contractors, self-employed people who typically wouldn't qualify uh, and to gig economy workers who aren't eligible in, in many states. Payments uh, within the next three weeks to Americans. Um, these are the stimulus payments, right, that go out to everybody. And I've got it here in my photos. One moment, I'll tell you how much everybody gets. Uh, if you're single uh, and you make less than $75,000 a year, you get $1,200. Uh, $80,000 a year, $950. If you make $85,000 a year, you get 700 bucks. If you make 90,000 a year, you get 450 bucks. If you make 95,000, you get 200 bucks. And if you make over 99,000, it's zero. You get zero. Double those numbers uh, and you and you uh, double the paycheck, uh, except for zero is still zero. <laughs> but uh, so a couple has to make less than $198,000 a year to qualify for these payments to any for to qualify for any payments. Um, payments will be made in the next three weeks, as I said, and it will be made via direct deposit unless you don't have a bank account and then they will send cut checks to you. Uh, there's a $500 billion treasury uh, fund with up to $4 trillion to support businesses. This legislation prohibits federally elected officials and their immediate relatives from obtaining funds, meaning Trump and Trump's families and Trump's ho Trump hotels and vice president and Congress people aren't allowed to take any of this stimulus money. Companies that receive the assistance are barred from making furloughs, pay cuts, or stock buybacks, and from issuing dividends to investors through September only. Uh, it also institutes limits on executive compensation. So that's good. 
Um, that was part of Elizabeth Warren's plan. I think Bernie Sanders' plan, Joe Biden's plan. That was a lot of Democrats came to the table with that, and it was in Nancy Pelosi's bill as well. Uh, $100 billion goes to hospitals and $150 billion to states to help with coronavirus outbreak. Department of Education would suspend payments on student loan borrowers with a penal- without penalty through September 30th, according to the bill. So we don't have to make student loan payments until September 30th. That, of course, this bill hasn't passed yet, uh, so don't just stop right now. Uh, the deadline to obtain a real ID, which is federally mandated identification that's needed for passengers to board aircraft, will be extended until at least September 2021, a year past the current deadline. And that's according to a draft version of the Senate bill obtained by CNN. Uh, notably... While the Pentagon will be allowed to transfer the money to other applicable accounts, it prohibits transferring the money to the counter drug account, which has been used to fund Trump's border wall. So you can't use the stimulus money for the wall. Uh, The bill states that anyone facing financial hardship from coronavirus shall be given a forbearance on federally backed mortgage loans of up to 60 days, which can be extended for four periods of 30 days each. The legislation says that services of federally backed mortgage loans may not begin the foreclosure process for 60 days from March 18th. The bill also does not allow fees, penalties, or additional interest to be charged as a result of delayed payments. It includes similar protections for those with multifamily federal mortgage loans, allowing them to receive a 30-day forbearance and uh, up to two 30-day extensions. Those with federally backed mortgage loans who have tenants would also not be allowed to evict tenants solely for failure to pay rent for a 120-day period, and they may not charge fees or penalties to tenants for paying late rent or failing to pay rent. Uh, the bill contains $25 million to support the John F. Kennedy Center of the Performing Arts in Washington, D.C. This was stuck in there by the Democrats, and they wouldn't give it up. Uh, the bill provides $450 million to the Emergency Food Assistance Program, which supplies food banks, which are expected to see more clients as job losses mount. Uh, there's $350 million that would buy additional food, and $100 million would be used for distribution. And the package also provides $200 million for food assistance for Puerto Rico and other U.S. territories, as well as $100 million for food distribution to American Indian reservations. Uh, while it appears that the bill provides billions in additional funding for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, which is formerly known as food stamps, uh, and the Child Nutrition Program, it would not expand eligibility or benefits. Uh, the bill includes $88 million for the Peace Corps, uh, an independent U.S. government agency that sends American volunteers abroad. We all know what the Peace Corps is. The organization suspended all operations last week and evacuated its volunteers. Its director said operations will return to normal when conditions permit. And in addition, the measure provides uh, $324 million for diplomatic programs, $258 million for international disaster assistance, $350 million for migration and refugee assistance, and $95 million for USAID operating expenses. So... That's awesome. This bill is so much better than what the Republicans put forth. But four Senate Republicans are now holding up the stimulus, saying it can't go forward with what they see as incentives for businesses to lay off workers because of the expanded unemployment money. Uh, Bernie Sanders is now saying if Republicans hold this up because of money going to working Americans, he will block the bill because of all the money going to corporations. Uh, In the U.S. Senate, McConnell needs unanimous consent from all 100 members to pass it quickly with unanimous consent. And without that, they have to take the slower route of debating the bill and then move to a final vote. So now the timing is unsure. So these Republican senators say the unemployment benefits would incentivize workers to stay on unemployment. But the measure is capped at $600 more than the normal uh, unemployment insurance up to the worker's previous salary, and it only lasts for four months. So I fail to understand how this incentivizes anyone to stay on unemployment insurance because the boost in payments is temporary. 
the Republican senators are Tim Scott, Ben Sass, and Lindsey Graham. I don't know who the fourth one was because when I wrote this, there were only three. Apparently, someone else joined them. Maybe, maybe Rick Scott. Uh, even without uh, these this uh, potential delay, the Senate needs to vote. After this, the House would need to vote, and then the president would need to sign it, and it needs to be implemented. So we're looking at weeks. So even if this goes to unanimous consent, the House wouldn't vote today, probably tomorrow. And uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying she might block remote voting to force members to show up and vote and read the bill. But right now, everything's up in the air. Her view is that people need to look at the bill because there are too many benefits for corporations and still not enough for workers. Uh, the Dow was up 500 points today, but further delays in this bill could erase that. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how the White House responds. Although, and I know I said I wasn't going to cover the press conference, but uh, Mnuchin today said he wants all those things and he wants the Republicans to sign it. But he wouldn't comment on uh, when asked about why these three, three folks were uh, opposing it. The three Republican senators, four Republican senators now. And not surprisingly, billionaires want people back to work sooner rather than later as they realize how essential their underpaid, overworked employees are. Uh, This comes on the heels of Trump saying he doesn't want the cure to be worse than the problem and multiple conservative economists and corporate executives saying we should be willing to sacrifice lives in favor of the stock market. Uh, Lloyd Blankfein, who ran Goldman Sachs until 2018, helped kickstart the calls to get America back to work on Sunday when he tweeted, quote, extreme measures to flatten the virus curves were sensible for a time but could crush the economy. Within a very few weeks, let those with a lower risk of a disease turn to work, return to work. And then there's Tillman Fertitta, I guess, uh, owner of the Golden Nugget Casino and the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Uh, He's asking authorities to let businesses reopen in a couple of weeks to avoid economic disaster. Fertitta, who also owns the Houston Rockets, is worth $3.2 billion, and he complained that his company is doing zero business. Wah. And Dick Kovacevic, who ran Wells Fargo until 2007, wants to see healthy workers 55 and younger return to work in April, saying, we'll gradually bring bring these people back and see what happens. Some of them will get sick. Some may even die. I don't know. Do you want to suffer more economically or take some risk that you'll get flu-like symptoms? So that's some Nazi shit right there. Mark Cuban, on the other hand, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, says, quote, ignore anything someone like me might say. Lives are at stake. Love you, Mark Cuban. And Politico has a pair of stories out today I wanted to report. First, Trump has failed to uh, release disaster unemployment funds for three states that he formally declared coronavirus disaster areas. That designation is supposed to come with disaster unemployment assistance, but New York, California, and Washington have yet to receive it. From Politico, quote, Disaster unemployment assistance allows workers who aren't eligible for traditional unemployment insurance, such as gig economy workers and contractors, to receive 26 weeks of unemployment if their job loss is attributable to a disaster that eliminates their job or keeps them from reaching their job site. Um, The program is managed by FEMA in conjunction with the Labor Department, who are responsible for dispersing the assistance. But a senior administration official says Trump is holding off uh, on approving requests for disaster unemployment assistance to see if Congress will put it in their stimulus package. Uh, because it could provide similar protections. In the meantime, people are going without money. But as the Daily Beast reports today, uh, Democratic governors bearing the heaviest burdens right now are increasingly wary that if they complain too much, they could anger Trump and lose critical federal government support. There's a lot of evidence out there that Trump is imposing a quid pro quo on these governors, similar to, I'd like you to do us a favor, though, uh, that refrain made famous during his impeachment. Trump has taken public swipes at Cuomo, for example, during his Fox town hall. He said, I watched Governor Cuomo today. He was very nice, but he had a, he had a choice. He refused to order 15,000 ventilators in 2015 for a pandemic. And he continued by saying, it's a two-way street. They have to treat us well, too. Uh, 
And a senior White House official doubled down on that statement, which was already batshit crazy, saying, if you're good and respectful to Trump, he'll treat you the same. It's that simple. The president has always said he fights back when he needs to. And the situation with Cuomo is no different. If you keep that in mind, this sort of seesaw relationship doesn't come as a surprise. Yes, it does. We're in the middle of a fucking global pandemic. It's just unfathomable that that he's being a crybaby about this. Just pisses me off. It reminds me of the impeachment when somebody actually hypothesized a scenario in which a governor needed disaster relief. Imagine, uh, I can't remember which representative it was during the hearings, but said, imagine a governor uh, needed disaster relief. And the president said, sure, but I need you to investigate one of my enemies first. And earlier this month, Trump called Inslee, the governor of Washington, called him a snake and even instructed Pence not to be complimentary of him. And for weeks, Inslee and Trump didn't speak. Then a spokesperson for Inslee told the Daily Beast they had connected Trump and Inslee over the weekend during which Trump informed Inslee he was not going to send the USS Mercy as previously thought and as Inslee requested and that the boat instead would be going to Los Angeles, but that he'd be getting field hospitals instead. And now, as we uh, as we will discuss with Glenn Kirshner in a bit, Trump has said that it is the responsibility of the states and cities to deal with coronavirus with some support from the federal government. He's doing this so that he can shift any blame to them and off of himself. But in any case, this childish behavior will cost lives as Democratic governors try to toe the line between getting what they need and not pissing off dear leader, which is just absolutely disgusting. And the other story from Politico today I wanted to share with you is that a vital modeling program was sidelined by Trump amid a bureaucratic battle, leaving the U.S. far less prepared for this pandemic. Some former DHS officials have told Politico that in 2017, they stopped updating their annual models of the havoc that pandemics would wreak on our infrastructure. Quote, from at least 2005 to 2017, an office inside the the DHS, in tandem with analysts and supercomputers at several national laboratories, produced detailed analyses of what would happen to everything from transportation to hospitals if a pandemic hit the United States. Those simulations stopped in 2017 because of an internal dispute over their value. Uh, And according to Politico, no one knew about this until officials at other agencies have reached out to the DHS to get reports on the pandemic modeling during this crisis, and they found out they weren't available and no one could put those reports together. So this, coupled with the dismantling of the pandemic response team and the the National Security Council, is certainly responsible for the loss of many lives. Uh, And I'm reminded of Trump in 2017 standing in front of stacks and stacks of paperwork bragging that he had cut regulations in the government, scaling back costs. And I remember as a government employee getting a mandate that we had to cut one out of every three regulations. And we were left to decide which ones had to go, uh, which ones were critical, and which ones could be let go. And thinking... None of these can be let go. Uh, And many tried to blow the whistle only to be retaliated against or even removed from their jobs by sneaky means. And so now people are dying. So please vote is the lesson there. And speaking of voting, we still have a Democratic presidential primary contest going on. Bernie Sanders says he's planning on debating in April. Joe Biden responded saying, I'm not sure why we why we're still doing this, why why we're still debating, let's just get on with the general election. So that's sort of where we are with that. Uh, We'll have more details as that unwinds. And we will be right back with uh, MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner. Please stay with us. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Recently I was having trouble getting a good night's sleep and realized it was my mattress. It was all worn out, sagged in the middle, it was time for an upgrade. So instead of another crappy generic mattress, I went with Helix, and I'm very glad I did. It is the most comfortable bed I've ever slept on. Uh, Joelle ha- Joel and, and Mandy have one, uh, Jordan has one, I have one. I highly recommend you give it a try. There's no risk to do it. They have a, uh, First of all, they have a quick quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep patterns to the perfect mattress for you. It's customized. Uh, there's nobody on the planet that sleeps like you, so you don't want to buy a generic mattress built for everyone. Helix Sleep customizes the mattress to fit you and the way you sleep. If you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper or if you like a firm bed or a soft bed, with Helix, there's no confusion and no compromising on an average mattress. They were even awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazines. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take your two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And here's the best part. No risk. You have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it, but you will love it. I promise. Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's Helix. H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $125 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Joining us today to discuss Bill Barr's involvement in the COVID-19 outbreak pressing briefings is a former federal prosecutor, 24-year veteran at the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office uh, and MSNBC legal contributor Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, welcome to the Daily Beans. Hey, happy to be with you. How are you? How are you and your family holding up? Good. The family's good. Um, most, most of my kids are grown, so they're out on their own and fending for themselves and hopefully listening to their old man's advice to wash their hands and socially distance. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's, here's hoping. I, I, I'm trying to get my mom to do the same thing, to stay at home, <laughs> and it's, it's proving to be difficult. So I invited you on today because I was a little shocked to see Bill Barr at the podium during the coronavirus task force daily briefing a couple days ago. Noticeably absent was Dr. Fauci from that briefing. And I I wanted your thoughts on what Bill Barr had to say and the steps he's taking to uh, prevent fraud and hoarding uh, during the outbreak in the face of potential profiteering by Trump, members of Congress, their families. What's your take on, on the whole Bill Barr participation? Um, I have no earthly idea what Bill Barr was doing standing um, on the stage next to the president recently. Uh, he didn't really seem to be there for any any reason that had anything to do with our national health emergency. Um, and if we weren't living in a post-irony world, I would say that it's probably ironic that the attorney general was standing next to a president who has you know, committed more criminal offenses than I have been able to catalog. And believe me, I've been trying desperately to catalog all of the president's potential crimes from, you know, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., to obstructing justice, obstructing Congress, tampering with a witness, bribery, campaign finance violations, false statements, accessory after the fact, and I could, I could go on and on. Um, so I think, I don't know if Bill Barr was there just to reinforce that he still has the president's back, um, and maybe he's there as an atmospheric reminder that regardless of what this president does, he cannot be held accountable, certainly not in a court of law, because the Department of Justice issued an opinion saying you can't indict a sitting president, even a sitting criminal president, and we have learned that he can't be uh, held accountable in the, in the court of Congress either, because he was not... Uh, convicted of the impeachable offenses that he plainly committed. So 
that's a long run up to say to saying I have no idea why Bill Barr was there because I found it I would say laughable if there was anything funny about this time we were living in that he is going to be tasking assistant U.S. attorneys all across the country to to get after people who might be hoarding surgical masks. I mean. That is just that makes no sense as a Department of Justice priority, um, given that everything we are contending with right now. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it make more sense for the president to actually invoke the Defense Production Act and get get these companies to uh, make these masks at a at a at a reasonable price than to send name nine like a a head prosecutor in all how many ninety five U.S. attorneys offices there are to to go out and prosecute people who hoard it just seems like a really weird backwards way to do things and i can't figure out what it's about other than like you said just optics i think it's optics and i think you know the the president wants to send a signal that this is my lawyer y'all thought that the ag was the people's lawyer but the ag is not the people's lawyer he's my lawyer and he's going to let me do anything i can i mean ordinarily and this is what frustrates me as somebody who prosecuted for 30 years if crimes were being committed in the executive branch by either the president or his cabinet members, um, it would be investigated by the Department of Justice and specifically by the FBI. But Bill Barr has steadfastly, you know, not only refused to launch investigations of the crimes that we see him committing, him being the president, in plain sight, but you know, he seems to just enable this president to do anything he wants to do. And you know, when you mention the Defense Production Act, probably the most powerful tool in his arsenal to fight this national health emergency we're experiencing, the Defense Production Act, where he could say, okay, um, uh, corporations, industries, manufacturers, here is what America needs right now, and I have the lawful authority to order you to produce it, whether it's masks, face shields, gloves, and most importantly, ventilators. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out why it was that um, President Trump refuses to protect the American people by deploying the full power of the Defense Production Act to produce ventilators, which everybody is screaming that there will very soon be a shortage and doctors will have to decide who lives and who dies, who gets a ventilator to keep them, to keep their body basically um, uh, breathing when they can no longer breathe on their own because of this virus and who doesn't. Um, and, and But then when I heard Vice President Pence say in one of these little dog and pony shows the other day that they have decided that fighting this virus will be a, a local, um, it will be a local effort. It will be overseen by the states, by the governors, and it will be supported by the federal government. What he's doing is he's going to let the states and the governors fail, and then he's going to point the finger at them for being responsible for just how bad this epidemic sort of unfolded in our country. But it's all going to come back, in my opinion, to the president refusing to do what he has the lawful authority to do under the Uh, under the act, and that is to order manufacturers to produce what the doctors, what the medical community tells us they need to keep people alive. 
Yeah, well, I think at first he wanted to blame China and then found out that that was blowing up in his face. And so then now he's shifting the blame or or paving the way to shift the blame to uh, state and local governments. And I think that the reporting is that there are a lot of businesses that are lobbying him not to invoke the DPA. Uh, because they would lose money right now. The, this, there's bidding wars from the states. They're paying six, seven, eight dollars for these masks that cost normally eighty five, ninety five cents. And so, uh, I think he's just been lobbied heavily by by private industry to not invoke this um, the, the the DPA, which is unconscionable to me, especially if you're going to parade the uh, attorney general out there and say people shouldn't be profiteering fraudulently off of this um, this outbreak. Yeah, well, nobody but the people that um, the administration wants to profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I could, couldn't agree with you more. Um, profiteering is going on. The president could put not only immediate, an immediate stop to it, which would frankly do away for the need to have Bill Barr divert federal prosecution resources into looking into these matters, but it would also save lives. So it would be a win-win for the American people and for the Department of Justice. And of course, Donald Trump refuses to do it. Yeah. And of course, if these U.S. attorneys are busy uh, going after mass quarters, then they aren't busy looking at uh, at uh, more white collar criminals. But because uh, resources are always spread thin. Uh, and because and, we know this, you and I know this, Glenn, that before this whole coronavirus thing went down, the number one biggest crisis in the United States was our uh, the compromising of our or weaponization of our Department of Justice with the, you know, the, inter- the intervening in, in Stone's sentencing, uh, et cetera. And, and you and I spoke a little bit about the dismissal of the charges of the Concord management case. And you and I sort of both were on the same page that, well, these lawyers, they were trolling the courts, they were trying to use it to get discovery on on sources and methods going back to World War II to send back to the Kremlin. And, and the prosecution was just like, shut it down. They're just fucking with us, basically. But I'm but subsequently, and since then, Schiff and Nadler and a couple of other folks like Joyce Vance and Barb McQuaid have written pieces about how it's still pretty fishy. And, you know, and I was wondering if if what you thought about that, because there seems to be sort of a, a disconnect between what I initially thought and, and what you and I had spoken about and what some of these other folks like Schiff, who may know more than me, seem to be concerned about. What uh, do, Have you changed your position at all on this? Uh, no, but I'm happy to revisit it because like you, when Schiff and Nadler and, and Joyce and Barb, uh, you know, take positions on something, uh, you know, I, I am absolutely going to take note of what their, what their concerns are. And I share their concerns, but I'm not sure that I've changed my position. Here's the problem. When you have an illegitimate attorney general, um, everything that is done, not only coming out of Maine justice, but coming out of all of the U.S. attorney's offices that has anything to do with Mueller or Trump um, will be viewed with suspicion. So when you see something like that filing that we saw from the prosecutors in the Concord case saying things like, well, this is due in part to a recent classification decision. That had that, and that's part of the reason why we're moving to dismiss these indictments. What the heck does that mean? In an ordinary world, where we trust the Department of Justice and all of its prosecutors and employees to do the right thing by the American people. That's my Department of Justice that I worked for 
for 24 years, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. I would say, well, of course, whatever classification decision was made about the availability of certain evidence that the prosecutors either could or could not use in court, um, I'm sure it was done well and appropriately and righteous, righteously and, and lawfully. But I can't say that with Bill Barr heading up the Department of Justice. And let's remember, Trump delegated classification matters to Bill Barr. Um, so now we have to look at everything that is done, particularly in um, Mueller uh, cases that were, you know, originated under Mueller. We have to look at them with suspicion and say, are these prosecutorial decisions being made by the trial guys and gals themselves because they think it's the absolute right thing to do in the case? Or is this a la Roger Stone, uh, Bill Barr putting his thumb on the scale to make sure that the president is pleased and that the president's interests are protected and his loyalists are rewarded? Um, so I understand why everybody has that concern, but I stick with this being apparently a righteous decision because you have Concord, which never intended to submit to the jurisdiction of the court. Instead, they weaponized our discovery process to collect up everything they, they could get to send back to Mother Russia to use against us, and they never intended to really fully appear as a litigant in the case and be held accountable. So, you know, and can I just add this? You know, John Kravis was one of the original lawyers on the Concord case. Of course, given what Barr did in the Roger Stone case, John Kravis not only removed himself from that prosecution, but quit government altogether because he would not stand for this squirreling of our system of justice. So, you know, we still have some good people on the Concord case, and but you have to wonder, you know, what kind of an impact do Bill Barr's bad decisions and corrupt decisions sort of have writ large with respect to all of these cases when we're losing great prosecutors like John Kravis? Yeah, definitely. And because I think Barb's point was, you know, with with the the Mueller team, Mueller's very by the book, covers all of his bases, wouldn't have brought charges without making those national security considerations um, as part of, you know, the the by the book way that you go about these things, you consider those things, you know, shit that might come out in open court. But I don't think they were expecting uh, them to be demanding documents back to World War Two on our investigative techniques and methods and sources. Um, but then, you know, like like Mueller always said, you have to look at the totality of the evidence, just like you were bringing up. But this isn't this this particular dismissal didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened after Bill Barr mischaracterized the findings in the Mueller report after uh, his intervention in Flynn and Stone. And then, of course, then, you know, um, Trump, like you said, gave him the keys to the declassification kingdom for anything that in the Mueller investigation. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I have skepticism now uh, based on the opinions of, of, uh, of these folks, but I, I don't know. Where, I'm with you. I don't know where it lies, especially, you know, with Kravis, for example. So, I mean, there's just so many variables to take into account. But it's it's an interesting... It's an interesting lesson that I think the bigger picture here is that we distrust the Department of Justice's decisions, and that is the problem. Yeah. So every decision uh, is open to question, and particularly what motivated Bill Barr to make any decision. I don't know that I can ever be comfortable or have confidence that it was completely righteous. Yeah. And as Barb, uh, nope, I think it was Joyce Vance wrote in Time Magazine, she says, you know, if, if... where are we when we can't 
trust that the Department of Justice is actually doing justice. So we're we're in trouble. That's where we are. Yeah, and that's I think where we find ourselves. And and I think uh, a lot of folks might have lost sight of that in in the wake of of the you know the coronavirus outbreak. So anyway, thank you so much um, for coming. Can you tell tell people where they can find you? I know you you write a lot, and you know you're on Twitter. Where can people find you? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Twitter. It's Glenn Kirshner too, um, and I uh, also run a nonprofit called Homicide Family Advocates, trying to help families who lose a loved one to violent crime. So homicidefamilyadvocates.org um, is out there. And uh, and otherwise, um, even though uh, coronavirus has been taking up all of the uh, coverage all day, every day, as well it should, um, you know, I'm generally on um, MSNBC uh, several times a week. And uh, I'm sure that Barr and company will get back to their dirty deeds and we will have plenty of legal topics to talk about in the weeks to come. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Thank you so much, former federal prosecutor, MSNBC legal analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be right back with the good news after this brief message. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Human. Like most people, I have a very busy schedule. I stay active. Uh, I used to travel a lot. I don't. But now I'm at home doing a lot of work. And keeping my energy levels up through all of it is a challenge. So I'm excited to tell you about something I take now every day. Helps me stay on top of my game. It's called Super Grapes Soft Chews from Human. They taste great. They make me feel more focused and they give me more energy. And I don't have that late afternoon lethargy, that slump that you get like at 3 o'clock. Super Grape Soft Chews are a delicious way to give you an energizing boost. Uh, Super Grape Soft Chews are packed with heart-healthy grapeseed extract that protects against uh, oxidative stress. It promotes normal blood pressure, and it also promotes energy efficiency by supporting blood flow. And you don't get that jittery feeling. There's no crash. Just energy, the way nature intended, with antioxidants derived from non-GMO concentrated, clinically studied grapeseed extract. Experience the great-tasting, heart-healthy boost of new Super Grapes Soft Chews. Get your Super Grape Soft Chews at supergrapes.com slash dailybeans and get a free 30-day supply with your first purchase. This offer is only available here, exclusive for our listeners. That's supergrapes.com slash dailybeans, supergrapes.com slash dailybeans. Right, here's some good news for you. On Wednesday, the Federalist tweeted a piece written by a dermatologist that proposed the deliberate spread of coronavirus, like the old chickenpox parties of, what, a century ago, to boost the immunity to the disease. Uh, Twitter initially flagged the post as unsafe, but then the account was temporarily blocked for violating Twitter rules regarding COVID-19. The tweet was deleted and it appears the Federalist Federalist account is back up and running. I think it should be forever deleted. Uh, let's get some good news from our listeners. Let me go into here. Doop, doop, doop. There it is. Good news. From Scott Greges. A neighborhood near me decorated their cars and lined up to give a sweet little girl a happy birthday parade. She had lost her limbs due to cancer, and the fire department also helped out with a big red fire engine. Uh, That made me smile. That makes me smile, too, Scott. Thanks for sharing that. From Ron Logan. Hey, Ron, I know you. This Friday, we're hosting a live theater event online to help earn some money for out-of-work theater community people. 30 original monologues written by 30 playwrights are being written this week, and they will be performed by 30 actors, directed by 30 directors. The event is Pay What You Can, and it will be streamed on Friday, March 27th at 6.30 Pacific time. Search for Theater is the Cure on Facebook. Thank you, Ron. 
uh, from Jim Finley in Albuquerque, New Mexico, A-L-B-U-Q-U-E-R-Q-U-E. I've been impressed by the way the governor and the state government, our mayor and city council and congressional delegation have been proactively collaborating with actions like statewide stay-at-home orders, creating pages on their official websites to keep people informed, as well as holding virtual town halls and sending informative emails, and coordinating with local hospitals, VA and for-profit, both, to set up testing and pool equipment like ventilators. Pool And they pool equipment like ventilators. Go New Mexico. All right. High five, New Mexico. From Catherine Owens, my good news is a small local nonprofit that serves low-income families in my home city of Boston put out a call last week for donations to help underserved members of our community that have been affected by COVID-19 closures in the city. In just one week, the campaign has raised over $56,000, and 100% of that money has already been put towards the purchase of Visa gift cards that are being distributed to families who need it, well before any unemployment checks start rolling out from the government. Yay for people helping people. That's amazing. From Jen H., my good news, in efforts to curb coronavirus, cities like Detroit are pausing residential water shutoffs. This is the kind of thing that should be happening everywhere. I agree, Jen. And from Lucas Reisner, or Risner, I'm going to go with Reisner. My good news, I live in Colorado Springs, and our local Jones Fabric is running out of stock because so many people are buying up materials in order to make masks. I love this community. Thank you, Lucas, for that good news. And thank you to all of you for submitting your good news. Keep sending in your good news stories. We'll keep calling for them uh, in our patron group and on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, We really appreciate this. I think we need to get that good news out there. And thank you so much uh, for everything that you do and for continuing to listen and support us. Again, if you have any recommendations on how we can make this show better, audio speaking, audio wise, uh, you know, as we're all sort of quarantined, don't hesitate to let me know. Hit me up at Muller She Wrote on Twitter or at Daily Beans Pod, or you can send us an email uh, on our website, which is dailybeanspod.com or MullerSheWrote.com, same website. So anyway, thank you very much for listening. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>